When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the preseason wrap-up edition of the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. I am your host, JC DeLeon, writing solo for this edition, and in today's episode, we are going to cover my personal main points of consideration going into the season, which starts on Tuesday, and I cannot wait. I am tired of betting on football to satiate my sports fix and getting my butt kicked, so let's crack into it. There's only five of them. So it shouldn't take too long, and I think it'll cover everything we need to know going into the season on Tuesday. Number one, injuries. Injuries are always a concern for every NBA team. The Lakers are no different. Their biggest injury concern, obviously, being DeMarcus Cousins. That happened in the summer, so that's not really anything to worry about. Coming into the season, I feel like a lot of people are concerned about Kyle Kuzma and his foot. The latest update I have on that is um, that, you know, as NBA teams tend to do, they're being uh, pretty vague with the time frame. Uh, The quote is, Kuzma will take some time to return. It's about as vague as the period of weeks that Zion Williamson is going to be out for New Orleans. Um, He's, you know, Kyle's gone through some tests. Everything seems to be progressing well. It looks like they're just being cautious with it, which I think is the best way to go about this season and how important it is and how important of a player he is. Um, the other day, the Lakers did take some uh, time away from the practice court to um, to throw a football around. And, in, and on the Lakers' Instagram, Kyle Kuzma was, you know, running around a little bit, throwing the football with the guys. And so I think, I don't think there's as much reason to be concerned about Kyle's foot as some people seem to think. I think the way in which they're being vague about it, that is that is concerning. Um, but I think overall it'll be okay. Um, Quinn Cook has had some sore calf issues, but I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. Um, Anthony Davis, we'll get to Anthony Davis in a second. Alex Caruso, I think, uh, had something, had a little small injury in the final preseason game and they took him out. He's obviously going to be re- really important to the rotation. So I think... I think the approach has just been very cautious with a lot of the potential injuries, and that's definitely the way to go about it. Um, Back to Anthony Davis. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of reports and seeing seeing reports and hearing in a lot of different podcasts um, that one of the concerns that people might have with Anthony Davis is his injury history, which is obviously a concern. He's as talented as he is. He's gone through a lot. Um, There always seems to be a nick here, a tear there, a strain here, a pop there, things like that. Um, things that can be pretty frustrating and, and initially was a concern of mine as soon as the Lakers signed him. I was excited, but immediately I thought about, you know, all the, the, the nicks and bruises that he, he tends to, to incur. However, it was pointed out to me that 
let's not factor in last season because last season was kind of torpedoed by the trade request and whether or not the Pelicans leaked information or the Lakers leaked information and just that whole thing blew up in their face last year. He only played 58 games, but he was relatively healthy. He's working on three seasons in which he's played 75 games or more. And I think, and I think now in the, the load management era, if you can play 68 to 75 games in a season, that's a full season. And that's more than enough to, uh, to I think, to assert your place on the roster. And that's that's more than enough, I think, to, to be considered a healthy player. Um, and so I don't have as many concerns about Anthony Davis's injury as uh, as some people might think. Uh, the crazy thing I've been hearing, I've seen people when, talk about LeBron. And LeBron's going into year 17. He is 34 years old. Uh, he does have a ton of mileage on those knees and those feet. That's ob- obviously a concern, yes. However, I do feel as though in 2019, athletes, um, they take their bodies a little bit more seriously. They research everything. They, they are doing their best to, to keep father time away from the end of their careers as, you know, they're the best, they're doing the best they can. And I think they're, they're excelling. You know, you're never going to defeat father time fully. Um, but I've heard a lot of people say that now they don't trust LeBron to stay healthy. Year 16, 16 years, he's only had the one hamstring pop last year. I don't think that's a reason to all of a sudden think now he's going to be injury prone. Because look at LeBron's history. He used to have a really bad history of cramping in the playoffs. Him him and his team did research and to figure out how to combat that, how to fight that. He hasn't really had cramping issues in, in years, not since 2014 when, when the most notorious of his cramping issues happened. So I think LeBron is somebody who, when he does have an injury, I think he researches, how did this happen? Why did this happen? How can we prevent this from happening again? He's had back issues before. He hasn't really had back issues since they took him out of, I think, 12 games a couple of years ago. I'm confident that he's researched this hamstring thing, or the groin thing, and... um, I said hamstring earlier. I meant to say groin. I'm confident that he's researched this groin strain. I don't think it'll be an issue. I think it's crazy to all the, to look at LeBron and go, yeah, I'm not sure if he could stay healthy. Now, obviously, I could be wrong, but I don't think I don't think anyone should be concerned about LeBron in in his injury history. <clears throat> Point number two, staying on LeBron. Uh, his chemistry with Anthony Davis. So the Lakers went three and three in the preseason. Um, sometimes they looked good, sometimes they didn't. When they looked the best, obviously, was when Anthony Davis and LeBron were on the court at the same time. It, they have an unstoppable pick and roll. To just look at it logistically, if LeBron's going to be the ball handler, he they run the pick and roll. As Anthony, as Anthony Davis is rolling to the basket, sure, you can have LeBron, you can force LeBron to shoot the shot if you want, He's got a great mid-range game. You can give it up to Anthony Davis and have give him an open lane to the basket. That'll work too. Let's say you do manage to somehow stop the initial pick and roll of LeBron and AD. AD has proven that he's a more than capable passer. And if you have an offense that's having a lot of motion, 
besides the pick and roll that the LeBron and AD are running. Yeah, you can pick your poison. I think I think it's going to poison you every time. So I, I feel like... And LeBron is not the only one who can run a great pick and roll with AD. And Alex Caruso has proven that he has shown that he can run a great pick and roll with Anthony Davis. Uh, Rondo has a history with Anthony Davis. Um, so I, I really do think that Anthony Davis being the focus of this offense in any pick and roll situation, no matter who the ball handler is going to be, that's going to be pretty much unstoppable. So I don't really worry about their chemistry in that sense. You do worry about things like there was a game in which Anthony Davis, I think, finished with eight points. And it was one of the better LeBron preseason games. And he had a quote that said, you know, one of the nice things is that I don't have to be relied upon to do everything. I, I can only score X amount of points and we can still come away with the win. Sure, those things are important. And I'm not saying he's disingenuous there. But NBA players are NBA players. They're the best in the world. They all have big egos. At some point, this could be a concern. How many games in a row of Anthony Davis scoring 8 to 12 points with them winning? Is he going to be happy with that if that happens? How many games in a row is LeBron going to be happy if he scores 12 points but they keep winning? These are all things to genuinely, genuinely be concerned about. But I feel... But I feel like that portion of it is all centered on LeBron. LeBron, uh, he has to accept his role as the secondary focus of the offense. Because I have a feeling come playoff time, yeah, AD can be the the focal point of the offense all regular season long, but come playoff time, I feel like LeBron will take over. And I feel like AD would even let LeBron take over because who has proven that he can play better in the playoffs of the past few years than LeBron. Uh, point number three. It's it's a concerning one. Um, it's one that I know Lakers fans are, are super concerned about. Um, Dwight Howard. Is he going to buy into his role? At this point, he doesn't have much choice. I feel like there are a lot of veterans on this team that are going to help him adjust to a role that he's never played before. He's never... He's not even really considered a focal point in this offense, I don't think. You figure LeBron, AD, maybe Danny Green will be the third the third focal point with his shooting ability. Um, maybe Avery Bradley with his shooting ability. Maybe Kyle Kuzma once he comes back. Because Kyle Kuzma has proven that he can be great at scoring as well. So... You don't have Dwight Howard here to be a a 20-point-a-game guy. He's just not going to be that, despite the fact that in the year 2018, he did have a 30-point, 30-rebound game with Charlotte. Dwight Howard, in the preseason, he averaged averaged 18 minutes a game, scored 8 points, and grabbed almost 9 rebounds. If between him and JaVale McGee, if the both of them together can basically be a 20 and 15 guy splitting 20, 22, playing 20, 22 minutes each. I think that is a hell of a center combination. And I think it's one that's going to be impossible to be reckoned with. And, you know, chemistry wise aside, I think LeBron has proven that he, he can play with Dwight as well. Um, plus, you got to remember, I think just from, from a logistical standpoint, 
it was maybe six, seven years ago that people were having the debate of who would you start a franchise with, LeBron James or Dwight, or Dwight Howard. Like six, seven years ago, this is a question people were asking. And now they're on the same team together. I think the reward is super, super high for such a low risk. That's obviously been said over and over again, but I've got faith in Dwight. I feel like I feel like he's going to adjust. Uh, if for nothing else, I think LeBron's presence, uh, I think he's proven with guys like J.R. Smith that he can he can get people to buy in. Um, a podcast I'd recommend Lakers fans listening to is the Road Tripping Podcast with R.J., Art Richard Jefferson, and Channing Fry. They constantly talk about LeBron and his work ethic and how he gets guys motivated. Um, they had a recent episode with Jared Dudley. I think Jared Dudley is going to be a hugely important force on this team for guys like Dwight Howard to get them to buy in, to get them focused, to keep them focused. Um, I'm not concerned about Dwight Howard. Not as much as most people are. <clears throat> so let's get try to get into the X's and O's uh, of everything. I'm not a, admittedly, not a great X's and O's guy. Um, but... Who are the main, you know, who are the main competitors going to be with the Lakers? You've got the Clippers, you've got the Rockets. I think those are the main competitors. We won't really talk about the Nuggets. The Nuggets, I think, are going to be really good. Uh, the Pelicans, I think, are going to be really good, but they're really young. I think come playoff time, you're most going to be worried about Clippers and Rockets. So to look at the Clippers roster. The Clippers obviously have a great roster with the additions they made this past summer, signing Kawhi Leonard and then out of nowhere trading for Paul George. Um, they're obviously going to be a force to be reckoned with, and they're favored to win the championship in a lot of people's eyes. One advantage this Lakers team is going to have over a lot of teams is their size. Uh, we already talked about uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee potentially combining into be a 20 and 15 guy, 25 and 15 guy. Um, splitting, you know, playing about 22 minutes each. I think a lot of teams are going to have trouble dealing with that kind of size and athleticism at the five spot. The Clippers in that five spot have, do have an athletic big in Zubats, um, but that's really about all they have because their backup behind them is Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Harrell is, is strong. He's not exactly big. And... And he's as athletic, but I don't think he's quite as athletic as potentially Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee could be. The backcourt, um, we still don't really know who the Lakers' backcourt would end up being, whether if LeBron is going to be the one or A.V. Bradley would be the one. Um, but I feel like it could kind of neutralize Patrick Beverly a little bit because Patrick Beverly is, is going to be the second main defender behind Kawhi Leonard. Patrick Beverly has proven to be a dogged defender. Who's he going to defend? Who's he going to? Who's, who's he going to effectively defend on this Lakers squad? Because he can't. He cannot muscle LeBron or AD. Maybe he can. Maybe he can guard Danny Green or Avery Bradley, but they aren't going to be focal points on the offense. So I feel like that negates his defensive ability. Same thing with Landry Shamit. Landry Shaman is a little bit on the smaller side. So I don't feel like defensively he's going to be 
uh, as much of an issue. So I think that the Clippers and Lakers matchups really kind of come down to from the starting five is AD and LeBron versus Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And Paul George is going to be out for the at the beginning of the season. It's not really known for quite how long. Uh, I don't think it's going to be for very long, but he's definitely going to miss, I think, 10, 12 games to start the season. <clears throat> Off the bench, they're a little bit more... The Clippers are a little more effective. Uh, you've got Lou Williams, who's a career sixth man. He thrives in that role off the bench. I think this is going to be. Um, I think I think this is going to be something that that people are going to get Kyle Kuzma to embrace. I think Kyle Kuzma definitely has the potential and the skill to be a starter and a superstar starter in this league. But I feel like a good foundation for him is to be a great sixth man. If, if he starts out his career being a great sixth man and turns that into a big contract with a team who offers him the max to be his, to be the man on his own team, that I think is the future for Kyle Kuzma. Um, and so I think he'll I think he'll embrace this six man role. And I think with his youth, his athleticism, he's also got a size advantage on Lou Williams. I do feel like I do feel like that's a favorable matchup for the Lakers. I don't put as much stock into Harkless, Jermichael Green, and Montrezl Harrell as, as most people. I know the Clippers won 53 games last year, uh, and they're bringing back pretty much the same team with the exception of adding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, but I don't feel like they're going to be as strong defensively against bigger teams like the Lakers. The Rockets. The Rockets are an interesting case study. They have been for years. Uh, James Harden, you can't question his skill. You can't question his ability to score a basket. You can't question his ability to rack up points. I feel like you can question how fun it is to watch him play basketball. Um, he's stretching the boundaries of what is and isn't to travel. That's beyond the point. That's just me ranting about my issues with with watching him play. They, in a surprising move, um, were able to to trade Chris Paul uh, to Oklahoma City for Russell Westbrook, and it's a a reunion for Russell and uh, James, and they they're excited about it. I don't know. I don't. It's it's yet to be seen how compatible they'll be. Uh, you know they'll be in, in, as an offensive unit. It seems like it could work on paper. Usage rate is a funny thing. If you have a lot of people on this on this Rockets roster who aren't going to be interested in in you know in shooting a lot, Eric Gordon I think is going to be your obvious number three focus on offense. If he's if he can get his ten to fifteen shots a game. That'll probably be enough to keep him happy. James Harden will continue to run an effective pick and roll with um, Clint Capella, and Russell Westbrook might be able to run an effective pick and roll with Clint Capella too. He certainly was able to do that with, uh, with Stephen Adams. This has the potential to be a really great partnership in the NBA. They have the potential to really run this league roughshod. And it to be something scary, like Russell Westbrook talked about. 
However, it also does have the potential to be a uh, what sports fans like to call a dumpster fire, and that potential is real. I think uh, I think there there've already been a few instances in which James Harden is is dribbling the ball thirty feet from the basket. He's going to end up shooting a three. What does Russell Westbrook do in that scenario? He's not. He's not a run around the basket to try to catch a, to be a catch and shoot guy like Steph Curry. It's not his game. He Le, James Harden has never proven to be somebody who can find the open guy off of his playmaking a la, a la LeBron. And so, I do feel like that's this is going to be an issue. I I can't possibly predict how this is going to work because I don't think anybody really knows. With any certainty, of course. Um, but as far as Lakeups versus, matchups versus the Lakers, uh, I talked about the Lakers' size, and I think that's going to give them an advantage over a lot of teams. One of the teams that I think is going to match up well with the Lakers size-wise is Houston. Capella is an athletic big. Um, they are able to run an effective pick-and-roll with him the way they can run an effective pick-and-roll with AD or JaVale or Dwight Howard. Um, plus off the bench for the Rockets, you've got Tyson Chandler, who is main, who is not going to be an offensive threat, but he can still be a defensive threat, uh, even this late in his career. And so size-wise, I think, is where the Lakers, the Rockets do match up well with the Lakers. But when he, when he comes down to this is now the, the era of, uh, of duos, Rockets duo of... James Harden, Russell Westbrook versus Lakers duo of LeBron and AD. The Lakers have the size advantage there. Um, again, that pick and roll, how are you going to stop it? Um, James Harden has, well, he's certainly gotten a, become a better defender than, than the meme video that came out a couple of years ago. He's still not anywhere near an elite defender. And so, plus, you know, there's a whole dumpster fire concern. Um, so of the Lakers, two main competitors, and this is me strictly talking potential playoff matchups. I think regular season is really hard to predict in the NBA. Um, season long over unders, I think are an interesting thing. The Lakers are at 50, um, with the money pretty much going both ways. So a lot of people think this is a sub 50 win team. A lot of people think this is a over 50 win team. Uh, Regular season basketball, I think, is, is really hard to predict long-term in in terms of specific wins and losses. So these matchups are obviously going to change because regular season guys might be on load management. You know, so take these matchups definitely not to mean anything regular season long-term because the Lakers are also going to have roster flexibility. They're going to have different looks all throughout the season. Um, I do want to talk about one thing in terms of late in terms of Lakers matchups. And I didn't mention the Warriors as one of the teams who might be one of their main competitors. The Warriors, I think are also going to be an interesting case study this season. I think it's entirely possible that we don't see Clay Thompson come back at all. Um, I don't think the Warriors are interested in trading D'Angelo Russell. But I do think 
kind of going back to the size thing with the Lakers. So the Warriors, in all the ways that they've revamped the game of basketball and made it so that guys 6'5 and under can shoot and score and be effective, anyone can hop into a gym and shoot a basketball from 30 feet away, and it seems like anybody can learn how to do it with some relative effectiveness. For a while, the Warriors were so good at playing that small ball, it negated the big guys, 6'10 and higher. If you were 6'10 and higher and you're not athletic and you can't shoot a three, there wasn't a place for you in this league. Well, NBA players did what NBA players do, and they adapted and they learned. Now you have a lot of guys who are 6'10 and higher who are developing three-point jump shots, who are becoming more and more agile, who can go out and defend beyond that three-point line, making switching a necessity. A necessity. Um, and I think because of that, yeah, I think now there are teams full of guys who are 6'8 and higher, 6'10 and higher, who are athletic, who can shoot, who can switch and play almost any any position. And I think because of that, I think it's going to really hurt the Warriors this season. There's a real possibility that they won't make the playoffs. I'm not quite ready to make that leap. I don't think we will know really until Christmas how this Warriors team is going to be. But, yeah, I think I think they're going to be atrocious defensively. And I think they're going to run into real problems with teams that have size. Because it's not just the Lakers that have a lot of size. The Rockets have size, as we mentioned. Minnesota's got length. Milwaukee's got length. New Orleans has length. Philadelphia has length. Like, this league is now full of guys who are 6'8 and higher, who are athletic, who can shoot. And just because the Warriors are so good at it, I'm not ready to write them off completely, but I, I just don't see them as a real threat unfortunately i think i think their time is done <clears throat> and finally my main point uh sticking with the playoffs um so the lakers obviously missed the playoffs last year uh they had a lot of injuries not just to lebron kyle kuzma had some injuries lonzo had some injuries brandon ingram uh, potential blood clot, blood clot issues. Just a bad time to be a Laker fan last year. Bad time to be a LeBron fan last year. Anytime, anytime LeBron fails, it seems like... And it, that's my biased point of view, but it seems like Twitter is only made to exist to make fun of LeBron when he fails, and he doesn't fail that often, if you really think about it. <clears throat> but that point aside. Um... So, yeah, the playoffs are a dance that only eight teams make it to. And the West is really loaded. And so if the Lakers are in, who's going to be out? And so I think there are a couple obvious teams to look at who made the playoffs last year that aren't going to be back um, this year. Oklahoma City won 49 games last year. They were a sixth seed. They're over and under from Vegas is, I believe, 32. And so 32 wins is definitely not going to cut it. 
Um, it's not known whether or not Chris Paul is even going to finish. Uh, it's not known whether or not Chris Paul is even going to finish the season uh, with Oklahoma City. Um, not because of injury or anything. Um, they it seems as though they're they're looking to to trade him if they can. He's got a fairly immovable contract. You never really know. So Oklahoma City, I think, is going to be out. And so let's, you know, you can pencil the Lakers in for that. A lot of people like Sacramento this year. I personally don't. um, But a lot of people do. And enough people do that makes me think it might happen. I don't have a lot of faith in Sacramento. I do feel like Marvin Bagley has the potential to make that second year leap to have him be the player I thought he was going to be to me. I feel like he had a little bit of a subpar uh, rookie year, but a lot of people like Sacramento. So you got to figure the eighth spot is going to end up being between Sacramento and if Sacramento's in, then we got to take another team out and that's where I feel like Golden State could be out. And so I think it'll be wacky and really surreal to see the battle for the eighth spot in the playoffs to be between Oklahoma City, Golden State, maybe San Antonio. San Antonio is an interesting team as well. They always exceed expectations. I didn't think they were going to be any good last year. They won 48 games. They were a seven seed. This year, they have they have DeJounte Murray back from injury. But I don't think it's necessarily a knock against the Spurs to say that they potentially could be out of the playoffs just because so many other teams improved as well. You know, the Clippers were the eighth seed last year. you got to figure the Clippers are going to battle for the one, one of those top three playoff spots. And so are the Lakers. Denver, I think, is going to be a really strong regular season team because they brought pretty much their entire team back, and a lot of people are writing them off and not paying paying that much attention to them. And so I think Denver is going to is going to ride that motivational wave to a one seed, um, just because I feel like a one seed isn't really going to matter that much to teams like the Clippers, the Lakers, or the Rockets. Utah improved tremendously. I feel like before the Anthony Davis move was made, a lot of people were liking the moves that Utah made with Mike Conley, um, and I and and I agreed. I, I I was curious about what early early betting numbers were going to look like on Utah to win the championship. As a dark horse, I kind of liked them. I still really like them. Uh, they won 50 games last year. They're definitely going to be a playoff team. Uh, I feel like. I can't I can't write Golden State out of the playoffs and so I think the only switch I think it'll be pretty much the same eight with the exception of the Lakers in for the Thunder. And as far as the rankings, no earthly clue. <laughs> um let's say it's Denver at the one. We'll say Clippers at two. Lakers We'll say Rockets 3, Lakers 4, Utah 5. Let's say Denver, Portland. Man, to say Portland is a 6 seed 
is pretty crazy. But yeah, that's that's where I think so. To recap, let's go with Denver, Clippers, Rockets, Lakers, Jazz, Blazers. Mm. That's really all I can predict. Anything anything beyond six I think is going to be too close. I think seven and eight is going to be an interesting battle. San Antonio, Golden State, Sacramento. That's my top six. I can't really make any predictions beyond that just because the West is going to be so crazy and I'm here for it. I cannot wait. Cannot wait, cannot wait. Um, that's pretty much going to do it for the preseason wrap-up of Hoopball Lakers. A lot of things to look forward to. Some things to be concerned about. I think it's going to be a great season overall for NBA fans in general. I think the era, the era of uh, duos, superstar duos, is going to be an interesting one. It's so wide open. The NBA is always ripe for great storylines, and that's never going to change. Uh, it's going to be a great season NBA Twitter. Um, speaking of Twitter... You can follow the show at Hootball Lakers. So it's three L's in the middle. Hootball Lakers on Twitter. And you can find me at JCDillion1. That's also my Instagram as well. I post a lot of uh, I post a lot of basketball things on my Instagram. Post a lot of sneakers. If you're a sneakerhead, hit me up about some of your favorite sneakers. I feel like Hootball, even though there's not a lot of fantasy value to it, should... Uh, Shouldn't have a sneakers podcast, but uh, that's that's a story for another day. <clears throat> uh, until next time, and hopefully next time I'll be I'll be hosting with uh, with my man Ethan. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. I'm out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.